Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, November 22nd. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on today's financial show, you know, I think today's financial show needs to be sponsored by Huey Lewis and the News because we're going back in time. And joining me for this little trip, it's my partner in crime, certified financial planner, and I know he gets the Huey Lewis and the News joke. It's Mr. Matt Frankel. Matt, what's going on? Great. I'm, I'm glad I didn't miss you this week. It seems every time there's a holiday, it's on a Monday. And this week's holiday is not a Monday, so I actually get to hang out with you this week on the short short work that's week. That's right. That's right. I always enjoy Mondays. It's financial Mondays. We get to talk about what's been going on in the, the world of fintech and insurance and banks and all that good stuff. And, you know, Matt, we've gotten out of earnings season, and uh, we certainly had a lot to talk about there. We thought this week would be a perfect opportunity to dig into uh, a, a, a show we taped back in 2020 on August 31st, 2020. Uh, listeners, you may have heard on this show, Matt and I had a couple of stocks we were ready to buy. Matt, you called out Lemonade, and I pointed to Bill.com. Now, it's been a little while. It was August 31st, 2020. You know, fast forward to today, it's it's been uh, closing in on a year and a half, right? Uh, so we figured it was as good a time as any to revisit these ideas and see how the companies are doing, not just from a stock price perspective, because of, of course we don't judge our investments on such a short timeline. Uh, but 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 looking beyond the stock price, looking at the business, the fundamentals of these businesses, and seeing how they're performing. And Matt, I want to go ahead and start with Lemonade. Want to want to go ahead and let you kick this off for us. And uh, you know, Lemonade, it's 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 been a little bit of a bumpy ride, right? It's it's had a volatile ride. At one point, it was up really big for you. I think better than something like two hundred percent early on. But it's come back down to earth, and and as of close on uh, Friday, as the market closed on Friday, uh, shares are down about ten percent from the date of the show by my calculations. So again, not digging as much into the stock performance as we are into the business itself. But what? How's the business of Lemonade doing? Yeah, bumpy ride is a, a generous way to describe the stock's performance. I guess I would say. Um, the, if you're curious, the S and P is up thirty five percent since um, ah. since that show. So. You know, underperformed the S and P by forty five percentage points, but like you said, the stock price, especially on shorter time intervals, is not really what we're we're going for. Um, having said that, I wish it would have you know stayed at the one hundred eighty five dollar level or wherever it topped out at back in January, I believe it was. Um, so well, there was a lot of enthusiasm at the time, right? I mean, and remind our listeners again, what does Lemonade do, and why do you think that enthusiasm exists? Right. So Lemonade's an insurance tech company. And the business premise makes a lot of sense. The, the insurance buying process is historically terrible, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, the, the claims process is, is bulky. Um, I don't know if you've ever filed an insurance claim on your auto insurance or your homeowner's insurance. Oh, I have. <laughs> it is not a fun process. No, it's so, not. Lemonade's philosophy is there has to be a better way. Um, they make it so you can get an insurance quote instantly. You could buy a policy pretty much instantly online um, at a competitive price. You can submit a claim. They process some claims in seconds. Um, it, it's a really quick process. Um, so they've done a great job of disrupting a few insurance markets, particularly renter's insurance. That's been their their kind of bread and butter to date. 
Um, they also rolled, rolled out homeowners insurance, which the idea being that renters will eventually buy houses and you don't want to lose that customer. You want to give them a way to, to trade up. Um, between renters and homeowners, it makes up 83% of Lemonade's business right now. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, it's they're primarily renters and homeowners at the t- for the time being. Uh, pet insurance is another 15%. Um, so life insurance makes up the other 2% right now. And that's what lemonade does, um, with renters insurance. They've been very, very successful. Um, it's a type of insurance that's cheap, number one. Um, and it's a type of insurance that most millennials wouldn't buy if there wasn't a good option. Um, so they've done a great job of building their customer base up. They hit a million customers in just over four years. It took companies like state farm and all these other legacy players more than 20 years to get the million million customer milestone uh they currently have 1.36 million customers that's up 45 percent in the past year alone um really very successful um in terms of building up that part of their business the question is number one can you make money at it because right now their loss ratios are a little higher than they need to be to become profitable um just uh their loss ratio, meaning the percentage of the premiums they take in that they're using to pay claims, uh, was 77% in the most recent quarter. They need it under 75% at an absolute maximum to be profitable. Um, and can this insurance model translate to more expensive and complex types of insurance? It, renter's insurance is not only cheap, it's relatively easy to underwrite. Um, so can, when you talk about things like auto insurance, which is their newest vertical, which we could talk about in a second, um, you know, the average auto insurance premium is 10 times the average renter's insurance premium, but it's a more complex type of insurance. So that's really the question. Lemonade just hit a fresh 52-week low today, um, which, you know, isn't ideal for anybody who invested in it like me. Um, but that me- that just gives it a bigger, you know, bigger growth potential, I guess, going forward. <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, it's it's a better value. I mean, I, I you know we could ask the question: Is value play or value trap? I mean, I think I know how you're going to answer this. Um, and I and I would tend to agree. I mean, I don't think this is a business that's fundamentally flawed or challenged. I mean, a lot of times that's what a value trap ultimately is. Is you can't really you can't really find that that road to recovery, so to so to speak. It, it really does look like lemonade, given how young of a business it is and how it's trying to disrupt a, a very traditional and and uh, I mean a difficult to disrupt market. I mean fintech has has been a, a a big opportunity in a lot of ways, and it feels like lemonade's right there. But but let's definitely dig into that auto insurance side of it because I mean having I've had experience interestingly enough on both sides of this. I mean of course as a consumer. Right, I mean, we have auto insurance, and and you have to you have to obviously have that. Um, I've also worked uh, on the auto insurance side of the business. I used to work at Travelers Insurance before I actually came up here to the Fool, and I, I was in their auto insurance department for a year, um, getting ready to jump into their underwriting program before I, I actually got this job. Uh, and I can tell you, I mean, auto insurance is a it's a brutal <laughs> it's a brutal business to work in. It's really hard. It, the one thing that opened my eyes was just how many claims come in on that on that side of of the business, right? I and mean, there are just so many. There's so many car wrecks. I was just floored. Now there's there's I'm sure uh, plenty of of room for fraud and, and uh, opportunities to scam. But generally speaking, it feels like auto insurance 
it's a pretty high volume business, and, and if Lemonade's trying to make it better, hey, listen, I respect that. Yeah, and um, I mean, auto insurance is a massive market um, to go after, which is why everyone's so, everyone at Lemonade's so excited about it anyway. Um, renters insurance market, collectively, Americans spend about $4 billion a year on renters insurance. In auto insurance, it's $288 billion. Holy so cow. So much money. You know, it's, it's not even comparable when it comes to market size. Um, Lemonade estimates that its current customers spend over a billion dollars a year in auto insurance premiums. Lemonade's total in-force premium is $347 million. So their current customers spend about triple the amount on auto insurance than Lemonade's bringing in altogether. And that's just with its existing customers. Um, big, big opportunity. They uh, just recently announced they're acquiring Metro Mile. I don't know if you saw that. I did, yeah. I remember you mentioned that. That's a company that did not – you think Lemonade stock did poorly. Metro Mile stock's really done poorly <laughs> since, it's IP, since it went public. That was the SPAC. It was one of the ones that uh, Chamath Paliapatia led the pipe round on. Um, they do auto insurance based on that where your premium is based on how much you drive. So it's an interesting business model. Um, their lemonades acquiring them in an all stock deal. And I can't emphasize this enough. They are getting a steal. And here's why lemonades paying, uh, giving one share of its stock for every 19 Metro mile shares investors own, you know, it's like a two, two or $3 stock. Um, at the time of the transaction was announced, it valued Metro mile at about $500 million. Lemonade stock plunged after earnings because apparently investors don't like this deal. They didn't like the loss ratios. They didn't like a few things in the earnings report. Now, Lemonade is effectively paying $340 million for this because it's stock. It's an all-stock deal, and its stock is cheaper. Metro Mile has more than $250 million in cash on its balance sheet. Lemonade's getting this business for almost nothing. Almost nothing. Less, well under $100 million is what they're effectively paying for the business. Now, given the given Metro Mile's performance to date, I mean, obviously, a business has had some challenges, but you still like the fundamentals of that business being being a part of Lemonade's family. Well, here's why. Lemonade is paying you know about $80 million, essentially, for Metro Mile's business. $80 million in the context of what we're talking about is like nothing. Lemonade has auto insurance licenses in one state so far, uh, Illinois. They're about to roll out Tennessee. And then they were gradually going to roll out nationwide. Metro Mile already has 49 state auto insurance licenses. That's That really accelerates the rollout a little bit. Yeah, it does. Metro Mile already has $100 million of in-force auto insurance premium. Metro Mile also has data from over billions of miles of customer driving activity, over 400 million customer trips that they've been tracking data on. And when you're talking about Lemonade, which is a data-driven AI platform, all that data is worth its weight in gold. I mean, this is a, they're they're getting an absolute steal on Metro Mile. And if if you believe kind of like I do that auto insurance is the story with Lemonade and the reason to pay what you're paying for it, um, I can't emphasize enough how much I like the Metro Mile deal. Well, then circling back to the ultimate takeaway here for for us, for our listeners, um, knowing what you know today in regard to this business, you, do, would you buy would you buy this stock today? 
Well, over the weekend, I published an article called Here's Why I'm About to Double Down on Lemonade. So that should give you your answer. Well, and and as, as, soon <laughs> okay, as, I can, as soon as I can stop talking about it, right now I just reset the clock because we're talking about it now. But as soon as I'm allowed to, I'm going to buy some more shares of it. <laughs> All right. Well, so there you have it. Matt uh, sees Lemonade as a value play, not a value trap. I, you know, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think insurance... The market opportunity is massive, and the nature of the business is such. I mean, it's it's a pretty reliable uh, it's a pretty reliable market because you have to have it, even though you, you probably really don't want to deal with it. Um, and so, yeah, that that uh, hey, listen, you know, I mean, like we said, we don't judge these companies based on such a short timeline. It, it seems like the stock price uh, may may be witnessing some challenges there, but it sure it sure does look like they're doing a lot of good things with the business. So we'll we'll continue to follow it and keep up with it. Um, I, you know, we'll pivot here to uh, Bill.com for a few minutes now. Bill, this has been been sort of a tale of two stocks, right? I mean, you've got Lemonade with its challenges. Bill.com, on the other hand, has, has done quite well. Yeah, you've, I mean, you've this, won this, this round, It's not a competition, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> and be very clear, we're, we're, not, we're not looking at this through the competitive lens as much as we're just looking at the fundamentals of these businesses and revisiting them. But it's, it's been a nice stretch, <laughs> no doubt. And, and as, a, as a shareholder, uh, a, I, I'm, I'm not complaining whatsoever. If, remember, Bill.com is a a cloud-based software business that digitizes and automates back office financial operations, mostly for small and mid-sized businesses around the world. And shares are up better than 220, so around 220% since the show. And I think a lot of that has to do, ultimately, we talk about insurance being such a massive market opportunity. Obviously, fintech uh, has has offered all sorts of different uh, way, ways to, to disrupt and, and make the system better. And, and Bill.com, they say their vision is to be the all-in-one financial operations platform for small and medium-sized businesses. So, it's it's not a it's not a small vision. It, it's obviously a very large vision they have, and I think they've made some acquisitions here along the way uh, that have that, that are in line with that vision. They they recently acquired Invoice to Go. Uh, they also had the acquisition of Divi as they continue to uh, incorporate more services and products into their into their uh, their their SaaS business, right? And that's what they do. They run that SaaS business model where customers pay that monthly subscription fee. Uh, they also benefit from the transactions that go through uh, that platform. And so you see some net network effects that build up here over time as they bring more businesses uh, into the fold there and more customers accept those payments uh, that that just gets easier and easier over time, and, and convenience obviously is is a big is a big selling point in this line of work. In, in kind of like lemonade, um, Bill.com's special sauce they they see it as their their AI their their artificial intelligence driven platform. So uh, ultimately, that is something that makes their network smarter, speedier, more reliable. It reduces fraud, and, and so over time, ideally, you know you want to see those network network effects continue to build. That can result in some good switching costs, uh, which can result in potentially some pricing power down the line there as well. Uh, but all in all, it really does feel like uh, the business fundamentally continues to perform very well. I, I don't know that I would look at this as a value play, though, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, so I, I just looked this up right as, as you were talking. At the time that we made these initial calls, Bill was Bill's market cap was roughly double what Lemonade's was. Today, Bill.com's market cap is roughly ten times what Lemonade's market cap is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's 
it's up there, man. And and I'll tell you, I, I mean, it, it's not something that I understand the enthusiasm, but I mean, when we were talking about these last year, in in when I was talking about what to watch, I mean, at the time, shares were trading, shares were valued at around forty eight times sales. Now, I mean, it's it's a new new business, still still working towards that profitability, but I, I think the reliable nature of the business model um, means the market is going to give them a little wiggle room to get there. But at that time, I said that's that's really one of the big risks here, beyond just whether they can execute or not. Is you're you're paying a lot, <laughs> you're paying a lot, and and even even in in this environment where thirty times sales essentially is kind of like the the new PE, um, forty eight times sales was stretched. Now, if we look toward today. Uh, recently, they just set expectations for this coming year, and they're calling for revenue in the range of $538 million to $541 million. So, if you look at where the business is today, the revenue they're calling for fiscal 2022, now you've got this stock valued more around 60 times full-year expectations. So, it hasn't it hasn't gotten any cheaper, but maybe this is a case of, of a, a winner that's that looks like it's poised to keep on winning. Yeah, and I mean, it's, the margins are fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Um one thing I take issue with with Bill is when they quote their market opportunity, I have to wonder just how exaggerated it is. So here, here you go. In the U.S., 6 million small and medium-sized businesses, 26 million sole proprietors, uh, $25 trillion in business-to-business payment volume. Technically, all of that's correct. But think of it this way. I'm a sole proprietor, technically. I would have no use for Bill's products. Every Uber driver, every DoorDash driver, every Instacart shopper, they're, they're all sole proprietors and they wouldn't use these products. So I'm, it's really tough to quantify. My point is, it's re- it, there's a huge market opportunity here for sure. It's really tough to quantify how big it is. Um, I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point. And I mean, I think a lot of times it's worth remembering too for, for listeners, there's there's a difference between that total addressable market, that TAM, and, and the serviceable addressable market, right? The SAM. I mean, they're two very different things. And I understand businesses like to quote that TAM because it's typically the bigger number, but you got to do a little bit of homework to really get to the crux of what the SAM is, because that's really what matters. And for a business like Bill.com, I would agree. I think it's even more crucial. Right. Like out of those 26 million sole proprietors, how many would actually have reason to use Bill.com's platform? I don't know. The answer may be a lot, but, um, but the point is that I don't know. Um, right. Well, I mean, I, I think you're. I think it's it's probably reasonable to look that look at that with a little bit of a of, take it with a grain of salt, right? I mean, that's where you you kind of go in there and you start discounting some of those some of those forecasts and some of those expectations in order to to paint a picture that maybe accounts for a more realistic picture. I'm not trying to you know talk negative just because this was your stock, but <laughs> if, and if and if you look at some of these numbers, you you know why it's done so well. I mean, the margins look fantastic. 83% gross margin. Lemonade doesn't have an 83% gross margin. Um, 124% revenue retention. That means its average customer that's been with the business for over a year is spending 24% more than it was a year ago. So they're obviously finding a ton of value in the product. Um, 126,000 customers. That's a big, big customer base and keeps growing. I mean, the revenue is up 150% year over year, which is a bad comparison because of COVID. But a lot of people thought that the revenue was going to suffer long term because of COVID, because um, generally they're they're focused on businesses with like a brick and mortar presence. Um, so 
the the business has performed phenomenally well, especially in comparison to where people thought it would be during the height of the COVID pandemic, like in August when we made the calls. Yeah, and and I think that it 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 really has been a beneficiary of the uh, the move towards the digital economy. I mean that that really I think it's it's one of those businesses that has certainly benefited from that. There's been a lot of tailwinds, and and you know you mentioned that that revenue growth and. I mean, it, more impressively to me, even is the the organic core revenue growth grew seventy eight percent. So they've made some acquisitions along the way, and that and that's something to keep in mind too. You know, you, the businesses that make these acquisitions, I mean, th- those acquisitions come with risks, and and you got to make sure they can incorporate those uh, in in into the business seamlessly. But uh, generally speaking, yeah, it does feel like it's it's benefited from a lot of tailwinds. I'm surprised we haven't seen. Maybe some profit taking, some selling, as we've seen with some of these other uh, businesses that benefited so much over the last year and a half uh, as, as we've moved more digital. But I mean, maybe that just really speaks to the, the progress the business is making. Um, I, I think, I think, regardless, very competitive space. I mean, you've got companies like Square out there that that help all sorts of of physical businesses. Uh, companies like Coupa Software, right? Generally focused on the same kind of market. Um, so it's 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 good to see Bill.com continuing to prosper there. Uh, they they recently inked a, a neat relationship with Marketa, which is uh, sort of uh, an issuer for card issuing for for the modern day. Uh, so so that's that's a positive as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's not it's not a stock that's gotten any cheaper. Um, and as as to would I buy this stock today? Personally, you know, honestly, I do feel like this is one of those I, I would like to add to. So I, I, I would feel comfortable adding to my position today because when I first bought these shares, it, I, I approached it with the idea that I'm going to start with a small position, see where this goes. And if it's a business that continues to succeed, then I, I would be more than happy to add to this winner. And, and I think that's the that's the stance I, I take today is, yeah, um, I, I would feel very comfortable adding to this position. And if you don't own these shares and you want to own them, I think it's a reasonable um, it's a reasonable idea. Again, I wouldn't put everything in it at once. I think this is a company that you buy in thirds uh, or fourths or fifths. However, you, however much capital you decide you want to put into a business like this, split those purchases up. There's no reason to buy it all at once. But but uh, a business that's performing uh, very well nonetheless. And uh, I don't know, Matt. I, I'm still very optimistic about Lemonade. I think there's a, bu- a bunch of opportunity in front in front of, of the business as well. So I hope you keep hanging on to those shares. And it sounds like you will as you're uh, getting ready to double down on that position. I am as soon as I can stop talking about it for a day or two. Well, we'll shut up about it, <laughs> and, and we'll uh, we'll leave it off the show here for the next couple of weeks so you can get to it. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us this week, Matt. I uh, I appreciate you taking the time to dig into lemonade and, and, and joining me for this uh, little little trip back in time. Of course, always fun to be here. And remember, folks, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 